Come on, if the Lord's done something in your life this year, you ought to give God some praise. You ought to honor Him. For He is worthy to be praised. My God, my God, my God. Amen. Y'all can be seated. Y'all can be seated. You know, I was thinking. I was thinking because the Lord has been preaching to me all morning as they've been ministering. And even as Pastor Sean was was talking and, and teaching about the offering being our, our spoils. And one of the things that I noticed is that everybody who came up today kind of led you down this path of what I want to talk about today. And I was thinking about this scripture, um, and I believe it's in Chronicles, and it, it says something very simple, and it says it like this. It says, the eyes of the Lord go to and fro throughout the whole earth to find someone that he can show himself strong to. In other words, it's like God is, God is looking for someone who is willing to take him at his word. He's looking for someone who will believe that he can do what nobody else can do. I was listening to, to, to Mama saying as she gave her testimony about the apples. And for so many people, if you're honest, it, you, it, it's great to hear it, but there's a part of you to go, yeah, but is that real? It's like, did that really happen? And the problem is, is that that part of us, that humanity part of us rises up because the reality of it is, Many of us haven't seen God show out in the miraculous in our own lives. So I was standing there and I was like, God, I know you can do it. You made an axe head swim. God, I know you can do it. You fed 5,000 people with two fish and some loaves of bread. It's like, God, I know you can do it because you made fishermen get so many fish that it flooded the boat. Like, God, I know you can do it. You made blind eyes see. God, I know you can do it. A dead man got up when you just walked by the funeral procession. God, I know you can do it. He said, this is what I want you to pray. I want you to pray that everybody in the FOC has a God encounter. I want to pray this morning that every single one of you have your own personal encounter so that you will never, ever doubt that the same God that did it in the Bible is the same God that does it today. Here's what he said. He said, I've been multiplying money for, since the beginning of time. I said, but God, you didn't multiply money. You multiplied apples. He said, no, no, no. He said, every single time you read those scriptures, everything they needed, he said, it took money to get what they needed. He said, she needed money to buy the apples the apples wasn't enough. So I multiplied the apples so she'd have not more apples, but she'd have more money. I declare every single one of you who decide on today. See, some of y'all, y'all, and it's okay, you're sitting there, but what you ought to be doing is say, God, I want a God experience. 
Pastor Shun said it. I don't even know if you caught it when she said it. She said this this morning. She said, the problem is most people don't believe God. Oh, you love him, but you don't believe him. You believe him at your level of belief, not his. So as long as it's something you can figure out, as long as it's something you can understand, as long as you can rationalize it, then you and God are cool. God said, I don't want to be kept in your box any longer. He said, I'm looking for some people I can show myself strong to. And I don't know about you, but God, if you're going to do some miracles in somebody's life, it might as well be me. So, Father God, in the name of Jesus, I declare that before the end of this year, everybody who wants to, everybody who decides they want to, you're going to give them a God encounter that cannot be explained. You're going to give them a God encounter that is going to be supernatural beyond any explanation they can give. God, I thank you right now that signs, wonders, and miracles are happening in their life right now in the name of Jesus. And everybody who believes it and receives it, go ahead and give God some praise. Hallelujah. 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 I declare it to be so. Y'all be seated. I declare it to be so. So I want to talk to you real quick this morning. I want to talk to you real quick this morning from the title, Your Believing Impacts Your Receiving. Tell your neighbor, say, neighbor, your believing impacts your receiving. You ever, here's how the Lord started this with me. You ever, those of you that are parents, have you ever had a desire to do something for your kid that your kid didn't know you wanted to do for them? So you had to say something to your kid to get them to believe what it was you wanted to do for them? I'll give you an example. When the kids were little and I wanted to buy them something, let's say it was pizza, I would say to them, hey, would y'all like pizza? And they go, oh, yeah, we like to have pizza. And I go, cool, let's go get pizza. The Lord said to me, he said, that's what I did for you at the beginning of the year. He said, hey, would you like to have great victory? Filled with hope and promise? And we all went, yeah. We'd like to have great victory filled with hope and promise. And he said, oh, good. Let's go get great victory filled with hope and promise. God said, everything good that comes your way is because I prompted you to believe for it. He said, and the only way that it doesn't come to pass is that you stop believing for it. Last week, Chris and Mika got up here and totally destroyed everything I was going to do in a good way because they started talking about how when, 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 you're, when, you're, when you're believing God for something, one of the first words we talked about was we was talking about prayer and praise and how they go together. And then Mika got up and when she was praying, she started talking about having a warrant and, and that prayer is our warrant. 
And so all week I literally have been reading this definition. Here's the definition she gave last week. A warrant is a document signed by a legal or government official, somebody high ranking, authorizing the police or some other governing body to make an arrest, to search the premises, and to carry out other action relating to the administration of justice. And I got to thinking about that all week, how that when we pray, we literally get from God a warrant to go back into the enemy's camp. Watch this. Not only to get what belongs to us, but we got the right to search the premises. We got the, we got the right through prayer. And, I, and this is what the Lord said to me. He said, through prayer, you have the right to search the premises. And anything you find he shouldn't have that belongs to somebody else, you have the legal authority to confiscate it. He said, the problem is, is that if I issue you a warrant, but you don't believe that warrant gives you the authority to go get it, you will have the authority to do it, but not the gumption. You will have the authority to go in and search the premises. You have the ability to use your praise, we said last week, as a battering ram, to knock down the door and to get what rightfully belongs to you, but you won't have the tenacity to do it because you really don't believe. He said, I gave you two words at the beginning of this year. He said, and I gave you those words because I wanted to do something great in your life. And so I want to take a moment. I want to read the first one he gave us. Here's what he said in January. He says, thus said the Lord, I have declared that this is your year of great victory. This will be a year filled with hope and promise. A breakthrough has already been made available to you. He says, I want you to rejoice now at what you see with your eyes of faith instead of looking at things with your natural eyes. He says, do this and then you will see how I have already ordered heaven to get involved in everything that concerns you. He says, then and only then will that you see with your eyes of faith become something that you can see with your natural eyes. He literally did to us what fathers and mothers do to little kids. He asked us, he said, hey, do you want to have great victory? He prompted us to it. He prompted us to ask him for great victory. Why? Because I said it, I said it last week. In January, when we started making this declaration, this building was sitting empty. It was empty. Nobody was here. He hid this building for us. He wanted to get the building for us, but he needed us to ask him for it. And not just asking, he needed us to believe him for it. So to prompt us, he said, hey, what you think about great victory? Hey, what you think about hope and promise? We like, yeah, we like how that sounds. So then we in a cafe, we in a hotel room praying for great victory. The whole time he's touching everybody's heart who was looking at this building, pushing them away because it already belonged to us. Say neighbor, say neighbor. Your believing impacts your receiving. See, if somebody had told us in January this building was already here. We could have got the building, but we wouldn't have built up our faith to renovate it. So what he did is allow us to be one place to build up our faith. So when he gave us what we asked for, we had the ability to go to the next step. That's how we got into that word last week, that word called contend. 
And sometimes when God makes you a promise, you have to learn how to contend for it. Now, now what does the word contend mean? The word contend literally means this. It is to assert something as a position in an argument. It means to assert something in a position of an argument. Any of you ever had an argument with somebody and it didn't matter what they say, it wasn't changing your mind? Anybody ever been that convinced? Anybody ever been so convinced you was having an argument with somebody and you was trying to argue back and forth and they just kept on talking and finally you just went. The devil devil says sickness is going to take you out. You're like, you ain't going to have enough. Your marriage ain't going to make it. Why? Because you have decided that this even isn't worth your time arguing about because you already know the outcome. I wish I had some folk in here who already knew the outcome. But when you are not confident in the outcome, it's hard to contend for your faith. Because you spend your time trying to explain why you believe what you believe. But when you believe something, you don't spend your time trying to convince somebody else about what you believe. So when the Lord says we have to contend for it, what he's saying is, I've made you a promise. And because I've made you a promise, the promise is good enough. You remember when Jesus said to the disciples, he said, hey, I want you guys to meet me on the other side of this river, other side of this, this, this lake. And they said, cool. And they got in the boat and the boat started rocking and the wind started going. And, they, and they, they, they got beside themselves. They even asked Jesus the question. They said, do you not care that we are about to die? Now, you know, you're mad at somebody when you ask them that. So, so you're just going to be asleep. Down and there on a pillar, you don't care that we about to die? Jesus says, what did I tell you? I told you we were going to the other side. So once I have declared we're going to the other side, it don't matter what comes. We got to arrive on the other. If some of y'all would just believe you're going to arrive on the other side, all the rest of the stuff wouldn't make you so weary. All the rest of the stuff wouldn't shake your faith. Then we find out he came back in in July, and in July he gave us another word. And here's the word he gave us in July. He said to us, he said, I sent a wave at the beginning of this year, and I have watched how you have led my people to ride that wave into new levels of understanding and freedom. He says, now hear this, in the midst of everything that's going on in FOC right now, I am sending you another wave. He said, this wave will come over you. Those submitted to you, your city and your state, it will consume everyone in FOC who is open to receive and ready to obey. He says in this next wave will be strong in washing away all of the evil assignments, generational curses and demonic principalities that have been plaguing for you for far too long. I read that again this week and I thought about what we said last week. Ashes. He said, literally, everything that's been plaguing you is going to wash away. He said, this next wave that is coming is going to bring with it a strong wind of change. He says, and as this wind of change takes place, prepare yourselves for I will reveal unto you the greatness of my power and the greatness of my power that is already in you. I read that this week and I thought, okay, a strong wind of change. I said, oh. Being broke is going to change to being rich. Being sick is going to change to being healed. Being depressed is going to change to being full of joy. 
Being lonely is going to be is going to change to being happy. I said, oh, I get it. The strong wind of change is what you've already purposed for us. He says, and do not forget that I have already declared that there should be great victory. He says, and with great victory, there will come great miracles. I'm going to multiply apples for somebody. See, now, now, now notice, watch how God does. In July, he's talking about great miracles. Since July, people have gotten their eyesight restored. We've gotten food multiplied. People have gotten jobs. Marriages have been restored. Great miracles. He says, when you have great victory, there will come great miracles. He says, so rejoice, for I have already set things in motion for you. Your manifestation is nearer than when you first believed. He says, so rejoice and be exceedingly glad now. Don't wait until you see it. Go ahead and believe it and receive it. I love that. He says, now this is in July. He says, don't wait until you see it. Go ahead and believe it and receive it. He says, for I am truly, truly working in the hearts of my people in these days. So rejoice, for I, the Lord God, has said it. Amen. Somebody give the Lord some praise for that. Amen. Now, hear me when I say this. If we didn't do anything all year long but receive those two prophetic declarations, you and I have no reason to struggle at all. If, if, if nothing else, and it's been a lot said and a lot done this year, but if you and I didn't do anything but grab hold to the two things that the Lord said to us, we have no reason to struggle. We have no reason to do anything but succeed. Everything God wants for us and everything you want for you has already been made available by God himself. Yes. Look at your neighbor and say, neighbor, neighbor. nothing can stop me. But me. But me. Some of y'all need to say that again. Say, neighbor, neighbor. Nothing, nothing can stop me, can stop me. But, me. but me. Tell you another neighbor. Neighbor, neighbor. Nothing, nothing can stop me, can stop me. But, me. but me. So the question becomes, what can stop you? Your believing? The way you believe determines how you receive. And I want to show you this on today because the Lord was speaking to me about this and he was saying that so much of what we are saying is so true. But the enemy wants to frustrate you through your unawareness that how you believe is how you receive. And because you believe wrong, you receive wrong. Understand this. Here, I, I'm a teacher by trade, right? So from a teacher perspective, here's what I don't think gets said enough. In order for you and I to receive the finished works of Jesus, in order for us, when I say to, to receive, to get them to manifest in our lives, we must respond to those promises in faith. You must respond to them in faith. And James says it like this. James says that when, you, when it comes to faith, you cannot be double-minded. He says that if you are double-minded, you won't receive anything. In fact, he says, let not that man who is double-minded think that he's going to receive anything from God. So here's the thing that you have to discipline yourself with. You have to discipline yourself with this idea that you intellectually believe God, but you don't believe God with your heart. You remember last week the exercise that we did? I asked you, I said, how many of you in here are, are single? How many of you are married? 
I think I asked you, how many of you received a healing? I said, how many of you have been saved? And then I asked the question, how many of you are debt free? And when I asked the question, how many of you are debt free? Most people didn't stand up. But most people stood up on salvation. Because in salvation, you received it with your spirit, but your finances, you're still dealing with your head. And as long as you keep dealing with your finances in your head, you will never be able to get to produce anything above your natural thinking. And what God wants to do for you is far above your natural thinking. So who in here is debt free? See, some of y'all still didn't get it. All right, sit down. It's all right. It's all right. I'm 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 gonna ride this horse. And I'm going to ride it because I can keep saying things to you, but until, and here's what needs to happen, and I said this a little bit last week. Y'all need to read the Bible. No, you don't need to hear me preach. You need to read the Bible. When you, it's, it's, it's like some of y'all got through college by going to class. You didn't even buy the textbook. And you prided yourself in the fact that you saved $60. Now $160. And you prided yourself in the fact that you didn't have to read the textbook. And all you did was go to class and you passed the class. Here's the problem. If I ask you something about the class now, you probably can't tell me. So as long as you come to church and hear me preach and I grab you in the parking lot and ask you about receiving, you fine. But if I catch you on Wednesday, you're struggling. And I sure might not catch you on Saturday because you're probably somewhere laying down crying because you don't know what's going to happen next. Because you don't spend time reading God's word. Well, Pastor, I don't, you know, and I heard people say all the time, you know, I just, I just ain't a reader. I, I just don't read the Bible. You're never going to prosper to the level that God wants you to if you don't read his word. Because when you read his word, there is something that happens to your brain. Yes. Hear me. When you read it, there are synapses that are being made in your brain. There is gray matter that is connecting so that when you get into situations and you need to recall what God said, there is actually a bridge where the information can go across to. It's also when you read the word, your subconscious is reading it and your subconscious in your ear gate is hearing it. It's why I said to you last week, it's the reason y'all, y'all right now can rap, rapper's delight. To the hip, to the hop. Yeah, 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 yeah. Last week they was all into it. Now they're trying to be deep. I don't know it, pastor. I don't know it, pastor. Yeah, you do. Yeah, you do. It ain't the only song you know. Yeah, you know. And what happens is when you first hear a song, you're hearing it with your soul. And you're thinking, okay, I don't know, okay. And then you keep listening to it over and over, right? And then what do you do? Then you start doing what? Singing the song. Uh-huh. And then once you start singing the song, at first you're singing the song, you just kind of sing it. Then you get a little rhythm with your singing. Now you're in a car bobbing when you drive. Hey. Why? Because you've transferred it from your soul realm to your spirit realm. The same thing is true when it comes to believing God. The reason people struggle with whether they're saved or not is because they haven't made the transition from their soul to their spirit. Anybody in here know they saved? Like, 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 like seriously, is there anybody in here that I could talk you out of your salvation? 
then I shouldn't be able to talk you out your money. If I, the same God that provided for your, your, your eternity is the same God that provides for your finances. But the problem is, is that we just don't believe God at his word. Now, let me show you something here. Matthew 11, 1 through 4. Just write this down. Matthew 11, 1 through 4. I want to show you what happens to us because in Matthew 11, 1 through 4 is a beautiful illustration of what God does for us and then how we behave. Pastor Schiller said it earlier. College sports is one of the most ruthless career choices a person can make if you want to be a head coach. You can win a national championship and two years later, they'll fire you. You, you win a national championship, go three and, 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 and nine, and then go 0 and 10, they'll get rid of you. They don't care nothing about your national championship three years ago. In fact, it's so cutthroat, they'll pay you $10 million to leave. That's how cutthroat it is. Here's what you got to understand. Most of us act just like that when it comes to God. Oh, what do you mean, Pastor? I mean, he, he healed your body. He blessed you to get that home you thought you'd never get. He gave you the child you thought you'd never have. He gave you the career you've been believing for. He restored your credit. He, he, he restored your relationship with your mom and your daddy. He did all of this, and then because something else hasn't happened fast enough, you're like, maybe I need to look for another. Maybe this praising ain't all it's meant to be. Maybe all this giving ain't what it's supposed to be. Maybe this fasting ain't really what it's supposed to be. How fast we forget. Look at what happens in Matthew chapter 11. Matthew chapter 11, the Bible says, And Jesus finished giving instruction to his 12 disciples. He went on to minister in different villages throughout the region. He says, Now while John the Baptist was in prison... John heard about what Christ was doing among the people. So John the Baptist sent his disciples to ask Jesus this question. Are you really the one prophesied who would come? And should we still wait for another one? Now, 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 now here's what's important. This is the same John the Baptist who in Mark chapter 1, verse 7 says, There cometh one mightier than I, the latchet of whose shoes I am not worthy to stoop down and unloose. The same John the Baptist who was baptizing people in the name of Jesus, telling them to repent for Christ was at hand. He now finds himself in a situation that is unfavorable, and as a result, he begins to question who God really is. So many times I see it in the body of Christ. People will come to church in destitute situations. They will come to church. They won't have, I mean, it's, it's like they don't have a hope and a prayer. And they'll hang around, and over the course of the year, their life will get changed. Things will get better. They ain't living paycheck to paycheck. They ain't sick no more. They ain't depressed no more. And now things will get good for them. And then now all of a sudden they're like, ah, does it take all that? When I had 13 cents, I was faithful over my giving. Now I got 13,000. Church ain't getting all my money. 
I was faithful when I didn't have nothing. But now I got a little something. Now I got a, is the pastor taking my money? Is the church being good stewards? But when you didn't have anything, it was all about God. And John did, John the Baptist did the same thing. He's in prison. He says, should we be really waiting on this Jesus? Or ask him, is there somebody else greater than him? Because if I'm serving him, I surely can't be in prison. Just because you serve God don't mean life's challenges won't tackle you. Just because you love the Lord doesn't mean you won't have challenges. What it does mean is that when challenges come, you get to overtake them. So Jesus then said to John's disciples, I love what he said to them. Jesus answered, he said, listen, you go and you tell John all of these things that you hear and you see. He said, we got blind people getting their sight back. Praise the Lord. We got lame people who are walking now. Praise the Lord. We got lepers who are getting cleansed. We got deaf people who are hearing. We have the dead who are getting up. He says, oh, yeah, and poor people, they are getting the gospel preached to them. He said, so you tell John that just because it's tough for him don't mean things ain't still going great in the kingdom. I'm telling you, just because you ain't got everything you want don't mean God ain't doing great things in the kingdom. Do not allow your current circumstance to make you be a person who questions God, because if you do, it will affect your receiving. How do I know? Matthew 11, if you scroll, go down a little further to Matthew 11, 7 and 10, he says, as they were leaving, Jesus began to speak to the crowd about John. He asked the crowd this question. He said, what kind of man do you see? When you went out into the wilderness, did you expect to see a man who would be easily intimidated? He said, who was he? Did you expect to see a man decked out in the splendor fashion of the day? He said, those who wear fancy clothes live like kings in palaces. Or did you encounter a true prophet out in the lonely wilderness? Yes, John was a prophet like those of the past. But he is even more than that. He was the fulfillment of this scripture. Here's the scripture he was a fulfillment of. He says, see, I am sending my prophetic messenger who will go ahead of me and prepare hearts to receive me. Here is the thing you got to understand. And Pastor Sean alluded to it earlier. If you say you are called to Fellowship of Champions, you don't let folk who don't go to Fellowship of Champions talk to you about how Fellowship of Champions ain't changing your life. What you don't do is you don't allow people who aren't putting forth the work that you are putting forth to make you think it don't take all that. You don't let folk who don't ever get on Tuesday night prayer tell you prayer don't matter. It's like you don't let somebody who's got a bad marriage try to talk to you about your good marriage. So what you have to learn to do is you have to learn to contend with the faith. You have to learn to contend. The Bible says this in 2 Chronicles 20 and 20. It says it in a couple different places. I want to read this out of the King James Version. It says, believe in the Lord your God. Believe in who? The Lord your God. He says, if you do it, you're going to be what? Established. He says, believe in his prophet, so shall you what? Prosper. The enemy doesn't want you to believe in the person you submit to. And it doesn't have anything to do with me or Sean. Wherever you go to church, you're going to encounter the same thing. That's right. 
It's the reason when people come here and they go, you know, I used to go to so-and-so church. I went to so-and-so church, but, you know, but I want to come over here to FOC. I'm always like, hey, hold up, player. Because while I love to have more people, if you was disgruntled over there and you were disgruntled over there and you were disgruntled up there and you were disgruntled out there, you're just going to be disgruntled here. You have to fix what's in you that allows you to always be talked away from your sent voice. A lot of people don't like to talk about it because they say, that sounds kind kind of cultish. You know, here's the thing. Pastor Tony and Pastor Cynthia spoke words into my life when I was on the verge of getting a divorce. Call it what you want to. I met them at a time where we were making a decision that neither one of us was going to keep on doing this. And so why would I then let somebody else come along and talk me out of what Pastor Tony has done for me? Is Pastor Tony perfect? No, but he was perfect for that situation. He's been perfect every time I needed somebody to guide me and to give me some advice. So if we drive it in my car and you get to talking about Pastor Tony, get get out. Get out. I don't care how long me and you've been rocking. If you talk about the person who speaks life into me, I kick you out because I guard my life with all certainty. You better teach that. So it's important that you understand your believing affects your receiving. Not just how you believe God, but how you believe what we say. People all the time say, man, Chris and Ralph, they seem like they hang on to every word. Listen, they'll tell you, you can ask them. I ain't never asked them to do anything for me to benefit me. I personally believe that as a spiritual father, fathers give to children, not the other way around. Now, it's nice. The other day we went out to eat and I was sitting at the table and the lady said, hey, where are the checks? And Tay said, hey, I got him and them. I'm like, I'll shoot. <laughs> she got me and the other kids? Oh, that's great. Because kids do that sometimes. But the responsibility is always mine. Wow. So you have to ask yourself, why would somebody who won't do all of that for you try to get you to forfeit somebody who will do all that for you? It's not them. It's not them. It's the enemy. The Bible says he comes to steal, to kill, and to destroy. And people don't like it, but the reality of it is there is a spiritual order in the kingdom. And when you line up with that spiritual order because God created it that way, there are blessings that follow the order. So Pastor Tony doesn't need me to sow into his life. He, he doesn't. I mean, I mean, you don't have to know them, but if you know them, they don't need me to sow into their life. I need to sow into his life. The Bible says that the lesser is blessed of the greater. So, so and, 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 you know, and, 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 and when I see Pastor Tony and I say, hey, Dad, how you doing? And, we, and we're going out to see them next week. We're not going empty-handed. We're going to take a seed. 
And we're going to sow a seed into their life. Do they need a seed? No. I need it. I need him to receive my seed. Let me show you something. Pastor Sean used something earlier. And because I'm a teacher, I have to, I have to show you something here. She didn't teach it. She didn't teach it wrong. That's not what I'm saying. I, I want you, I want you, she, that's not what I'm saying. I want you to see something. Go to 1 Kings. Go to 1 Kings. Pastor Sean had you in, 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 in uh, I think it's 1 maybe say, let me see. I think it's 1 Kings, is it 1 first, Kings 18? Yep, that's it. Uh, yeah, 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 yeah. So, so in 1 Kings, right, in 1 Kings this morning, Pastor Sean talked to you about um, expectation. And she said, remember, the man said, um, he, the, the prophet was praying. He was in a position of prayer. And he told his servant, he said, go and look. Because he said, I hear the sound, what? Of an abundance of what? Rain. So the man goes and looked. The Bible says he went and looked seven times. The seven times he said, well, I see a, a cloud about the size of a man's hand. And you know the rest of the story. It rained. They got all this rain, right? right? Where did rain come from? Where did the rain come from? Most people want it to rain in their life, but you can't make it rain if you don't sow seed. So, or oh, pass that. How do you know? Oh, well, I'm glad you asked. Go to 1 Kings 18, and I want you to look at verse 33. Now, some of y'all are lost because you don't have your Bible. You need a Bible. You need a Bible. This is a Bible teaching church. You need a Bible. Or a phone that you get used to using the app on. So if you're not used to using the app, go ahead, pull it up. Go to 1 Kings. Because what I want here, I, I'm like the Apostle Paul. And I, I, and I have to say this because I have to say this. I don't desire a gift from you. What I desire is that you live at a level higher than what you're living at. That's right. In order for me to get you there, I have to teach you what I know. And when I teach you what I know, whether or not you like it or not, is not really up to me. Somebody asked me last week, they said, how did you go from struggle to sufficiency? I gave them an answer and they told me it couldn't just be that easy. I said, I read every scripture I could find about prosperity. I have a book, that blue book, on the edge of my desk. He got one too. It is filled with every cross-reference scripture about prosperity. I read that book until it was dog-eared. I got me another one. And I read it, and I read it. And I read it until making money was so big on the inside of me that the moment I asked God for it, it showed up. He said, if you want to be rich, you got to sow seed. So I said, I'm going to sow seed. The devil said, well, if you give those other ministries your money, how do you know what they're going to do with it? Not my problem. See, some people worry about the wrong thing. Now, I don't do this, but let's say I did. If you paid your tithe and offering and I set it all on fire, what they got to do with you? People are like, well, you set my money on fire. The fact that you think it's still your money. The fact that you think it's still your money. 
Once you have obeyed God, you have done your job. You have done your job. If we take the tithing offering today and we come up here and we set it all on fire, it has nothing to do with your harvest. Your harvest is off your obedience. The problem is, is that most people, when they give, never take their money off the giving. You give, but you watching it. You give, but you're like, what they going to do with it? Pastor got some new shoes. Pastor got a new shirt. And, 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 and it's not that bad here. But in other places, that's literally what they do. Because their pastors are in full-time ministry, and as a result, and let me just parenthetically insert, if your pastor worked for full-time, whether you go here or you go to another church and your pastor worked full-time, he ought to be paid. She ought to be paid. You go to work, you get paid. Why am I talking about this? Because my believing affects my receiving. How I perceive everything. Listen, you ever, been in, you ever walk into a room and people are talking, and then you walk in and they stop talking? Whatever you believe about that situation determines your next response. You walk into a room, everybody laughing, they come in, they stop, and they look at you, you're like, oh, they was talking about me. Based on what you think is how you're going to behave. Because now you're going to be like, oh, forget them, they shady anyway. Watch this. And because you believe that, now you look for other people who got the same bad attitude you got. So in a church setting, when you got the wrong thinking, what you do is you search out other people who got wrong thinking. So then y'all come together with your dumb wrong thinking. And now you're just over here thinking dumb together. Having meetings about dumb stuff. And I told Pastor Sean one time, I said, really, I call them covens because witches have covens. And witches get together in covens when they have meetings. And in the church, not just, not, I mean, I'm talking about the church in general, there's a lot of people involved in witchcraft. Because the Bible says that manipulation is as witchcraft. That's why it's important to read this. So when somebody comes to you and somebody says, Richard, what do you think about Pastor Edward? Does he seem real genuine to you? I'm just asking. I'm just asking. They're trying to see whether there's somebody else they can get involved in their stupidity. Because if they can, they're like, yeah, me too. I called him. He ain't called me back. I was at work. (laughs) But if you pay your pastor full time... Yeah, then I can take your call at 12 a.m. I can take your call at 2.30. But at 2.30 on a Wednesday, I'm at work. I ain't scared of nobody up in here. Why? Because my believing affects how I receive things. So notice this. Here's what he says. I mean, I didn't forget. 1 Kings 33. It says, and he put the wood in order and he cut the bullock in pieces and he laid him on the wood and he said to them 
fill four barrels with what? Water. And pour it on the burnt sacrifice and on the wood. And he said, do it a second time. What's four plus four? He says, and they did it a second time. And he said, do it a third time. What's four plus four plus four? He says, and they did it a third time. So they took 12 barrels of water and poured on the altar. And y'all are like, so what? So what? I get it. So what? The problem is they were in a famine. When there is a famine, there is no water to grow produce. Imagine if you came in here and you said, Pastor, here's my life savings. I said, oh, can I hold it? That's really cool. And then I set it on fire in front of you. I set your life savings on fire. You would fight me. And I wouldn't blame you. I, he told him, take these 12 barrels of water and pour it on the sacrifice. Why was that important? Because that was showing his seed. He took something that was precious, something that could have been used, something that everybody wanted, and he sacrificed it to God. He took 12 barrels of water as his seed. And then a few, chapter, a few verses later, you find out that the same water that he gave for 12 barrels came out of the sky in abundance. Because he understood how he believed affects his receiving. He said, I believe that if I give the Lord an offering, I believe I will receive in abundance. So I want to sacrifice these 12 barrels. I'm going to get an abundance of rain over here. It's like you said, I could go to Starbucks. But instead of going to Starbucks, I'm going to save this $5. It's going to be my spoil offering this week. Somebody asked me one time, they said, well, what if people don't have money to give? It's not that people don't have money to give. It's that people don't prioritize what to give. And, and people can get mad about that. Well, Pastor, I have to eat. Well, yeah, you got to eat, but you ain't got to eat red lobster. Here's what I tell you. If you will prioritize your giving, your receiving will get prioritized. But you can't prioritize your giving until you start thinking right. So the Bible says that literally in that particular story, he gets back all of this water that he would have never gotten had it not been for the fact that he sowed a seed. So why is that important? Because how you, how you perceive your giving to God, not just your money, but even your time, affects your receiving. The truth of the matter is, and if you, no one can answer this for you but you. But weigh how much time you spend studying the word compared to watching TV during the week. Come on. Come on. Yeah, or, or Facebook or any of that. But, and I'm not talking about a combination of everything you do, but just, just map out. How much time do you spend studying the word compared to other things that don't prosper you? Am I telling you not to watch television? No. Am I telling you not to be on Facebook? No. Am I telling you not to spend time at the park? No. Am I telling you that you ought to be dedicating some time every day to the word? Yes. Yes. And here's the thing. If you are having trouble where your finances are concerned, that's what you ought to be studying. Yeah. 
It's like a child who needs speech class, but you send them to occupational therapy. Now, OT may be good, but is that going to help when they say wabbit instead of rabbit? Is that going to help them? Is that going to help them? No. They're going to keep saying wabbit. Because you've got to get them in a class that's going to change their W's to R's. i got to get you in a class that's going to change you from thinking broke to thinking rich. i got to get you in a class that's going to stop you from thinking sick to thinking healed. You, and, and watch this. You receive them the same way you receive salvation. How do you receive salvation? The Bible says in Romans 10, and what, what, what does it say? It says that with the heart man what? Believe. Believes. With the heart man what? Believe. Believes. So how do you get salvation? Believe. How do you get out of debt? Believe. How do you receive healing? Believe. How do you get miracles? Believe. You've got to learn to believe God. But you don't believe God if you don't trust him. You ever try being in a relationship with somebody who you really don't trust? You kind of trust them, but you don't really know if you trust them. It's the most difficult relationship to be in. Because when they tell you something, you're like, is this one a lie? Is this one a lie? Oh, I'm going to go to the store. Are they really? Oh, oh, I'm, I'm going to come by and get you on Friday. Really? I, I, and, and the worst thing you can do is to believe God sometimes. Why? Because when you believe God sometimes, it creates this sense in you that God sometimes shows up and sometimes he don't. So you never equate it to your believing. You always equate it to God. So rather than saying, no, the times God didn't show up, I wasn't believing right. What you say was God's a fickle God. So now you don't know whether you should ask God for something or not. Because after all, sometimes he show up, sometimes he don't. According to what you believe. Now notice this. The Bible says this in the message translation. It says, believe firmly in God, your God, and your lives will be firm. I love that. Believe firmly in God, your God, and your lives will be what? Firm. He says, believe in your prophets, and you're going to come out on top. Believe in the sent voice who's been sent to you to minister to you, and you shall be on top. The voice translation says, trust in the eternal one, your true God, not in your own abilities, and you will be supported. Put your trust in his words that you heard through his prophets, and you will succeed at everything. You will succeed at everything. It's the reason that when Pastor Cynthia used to say to me, just believe, and I really didn't understand what she meant, it was actually a little frustrating. But I didn't, but I didn't throw Pastor Cynthia away. Come on. Why? Because she's my sent voice. She is the voice who has the ability because of, God, because of the connection God has ordained. She has the ability to speak into my life. And so because she has the ability to speak into my life, I'm not going to throw her away just because I don't understand what she's saying today. It's been years. Now I understand what she says when she says, just believe. I say, Mom, how am I supposed to believe for, for, for $10,000 to restore the building? She said, just believe God. What the heck does that mean? It means that I believe God for the money to, re to renovate the building the same way I did when I, needed, when I needed salvation. How crazy would it be if I said, okay, anybody want to give their life to Christ? And somebody got up, they came up here to the altar. We prayed the prayer of salvation. 
And I said, okay, how do you feel? They said, I feel great. I'm just waiting on the manifestation of my salvation. I'm just waiting on the manifestation. What do you mean? Salvation is... Well, if salvation is now, all the gifts of God are. So then when I say, hey, who debt free? The debt free people are debt free. Yeah, uh-huh. Well, 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 the doctor said, the doctor said so and so, but are you healed? Yes. When are you healed? So, so when I say to people, hey, you got a billion dollar business, I'm not talking about when it becomes billion dollars, I'm talking about right now. So when I say, hey, we got a church 100% tithers, we got 100% tithers, your believing will, will determine when that manifests. I believe it right now. I receive it right now. And if everybody believed it right now, it would happen right now. Ooh, now you're getting it. So when you and your partner get on the same page about something, it happens right now. That's why I said from the time, when I looked at the sure number it was going to take to do everything we wanted to do, including the scholarships of the kids who were going to be graduating next few years, I said, God, you got this. Because we don't. <laughs> I, I know what we got, and what we got ain't what we need. But you got this. And I'm telling you, every time we've needed something, God's made a way. Why? Because our believing affects our receiving. Amen? Amen. Listen, the Bible says this in, in, in I believe it's uh, James. Well, let, Mark chapter 9 first. Mark chapter 9 says this. It says, Jesus says, if thou canest believe. Now, when he's, I like the King James because he used words like canest. Um, <laughs> He says, if you can believe, all things become what? Possible. The condition of the possibility is not based on God. Come on. Come on. Hear me. The condition of the possibility is not based on God. It's based on your ability to believe. He says, if you can, if you can believe. He says, then all things are what? Possible to who? To them so the condition of the possibility is based on the believing, but the believing is not based on Jesus, it's based on you. So I control my destiny. See, that ain't universe talk. It ain't universe talk. It ain't, it ain't willing myself into the universe and, and all that. I control my destiny by what I believe. If I believe God, all things are. This is such a powerful principle. Do you know it actually doesn't even say if thou canst believe all things according to Jesus Christ, all things are possible to him. He didn't even put that in there. He just said, if you can believe. I'm, say la. He didn't say if thou canst believe all things through me. It is possible for you to receive them. He just said, if thou canst believe, all things are possible for him that believeth. That means you can believe for the wrong thing. You can be so convinced of the wrong thing, it becomes a reality in your life. You can become so convinced that God's never going to get you out of debt, you never got out of debt. You can become so convinced that your kids are going to do something that's going to be crazy and cause you shame. That's exactly what they'll do. 
You can be so convinced that you are never going to have a successful marriage that you can get married 10 times and every one of them going to end in divorce. Because if it's what you believe, it's what you will receive. We see this uh, in Job. Job said, I pray for my kids every day because them jokers was crazy. I just knew they was going to do something wrong. So every day I prayed for them. I prayed they wouldn't do something and end up doing something crazy and end up dying. I was terrified. And the Bible says the very thing that he feared came up on him. Why? Because he was tied to his fear. Some of you are so afraid that if you trust God, you're going to lose control. But in keeping control, you're losing everything. You, 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 won't, you won't trust God with your money. You won't trust God with your heart. You won't trust God with your thinking. And because you keep trying to control it, you keep finding yourselves in situations that you can't get yourself out of. Yes. I have not had a financial disaster since I started tithing. Because he keeps coming through. The Bible says it like this. The Bible says you'll put money in your pockets. It said it'd be like you have holes in your pockets. He said you'll put money in bags and the moth is going to eat it. You understand, these are principles in the kingdom. And the only way you get to exempt yourself from them is you leave the kingdom. If you leave the kingdom, you can go out there in the world and you can play by that system and you, you, you can win big time if you know how to play the system right. But you cannot be in God's kingdom and try to use that system to prosper. It's like this. You ever play spades at somebody's house and they got different rules? Yeah. Oh, oh, you ever play Uno? Yeah. yeah, all right, all right. I got the Uno crowd this Sunday morning. All right, all right. You ever play Uno? And, 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 and somebody at some people's house when you play Uno, you can play doubles. Like you can play. But, 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 but watch this. You can play doubles, but it's got to be four fours of the same color. Uh, other folks' house, you can play double, and it can be four fours, and they got to be the same color. And at some folks' house, when you pull, because you don't have a card to play, you just pull one time, and the next person go, but at my house, if you pull, you're going to keep on pulling <laughs> till you get a card to play. That's called playing by house rules. Tell your neighbor, say, neighbor, neighbor. In, the kingdom, in the kingdom, you play, you play. by house rules. By house. Mm -hmm. yeah. You play by the rules that the king has set up. Yeah. You don't get to come in the kingdom and play a different way. Yeah. You, don't, you don't get to talk about, well, at my house, this ain't your house. <laughs> I don't care if you 8 or 88, you come to my house and play Udo, I say to you quick, hey, this ain't your house. This is my house. Keep pulling. I don't care if you got 30 cards. You keep pulling till you get a card that can play. Because at my house, that's how we play. In the kingdom, he has set up certain rules that you must live by in order to play. And if you know the rules to the game, you can play the game to win. But if you don't know the rules, then you come skippily do it over here in the kingdom acting like you yours when you was out there in the world. And then you frustrated because you see other people who are winning the kingdom and you losing. And so then what you say to justify it is, well, God must not be a righteous God or it don't take all that 
Or, 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 and, and then people say dumb stuff. Well, only the people who are close to the past to prosper. How dumb is that? No, I'm serious. And I have to just say that. How dumb is that? You got a girl, Maria, who ain't seen us. How long has it been since we seen Maria? Ten years? She sent a message the other day and said, hey, you said that people was going to get a new job before January. I just want y'all to know I got a high paying job. We haven't seen her. We haven't seen her since we left Texas in 06. But she believed the prophet. And because she believed the prophet, she, she keeps on prospering. She just keeps Every on prospering. She's like, I go to another church, but y'all my pastors. I listen to what he say. I receive. I pay my tithe there, but I'm still sitting my tithe here because God is good to me. Hallelujah. Your believing affects your receiving. And when you get to the place where you go, you know what? I'm just going to obey God because obeying God is good enough for me. Your whole life is going to change. Notice, I said that your believing affects your receiving, but your receiving isn't based on another person's faith. Your receiving cannot be based on the husband and wives. Your faith cannot be based on somebody else's faith. You got one spouse to believe it and another spouse who's not believing. There, there are there's some good things that happen to the other spouse because of the connection. But nothing is great as if both people are believing. Amen. I tell my kids, I love my kids. I love them. They, they're getting older. They're growing up. Praise the Lord. Going to get their own places and all this other wonderful stuff that happens when people grow up. But they still got to learn how to trust God for themselves. I'm going to always be their father. And if they ever need me, I'm going to always be there to bail them out. But they got to learn to live by their own faith. And you got to learn to live by your own faith. And while you're a babe, I'll be here to bail you out. But at some point, you got to grow up and live by your own faith. Listen, just hearing someone else preach the word won't give you the faith to receive. You have to read the word for yourself. How many of you grew up in church? The first time you ever heard somebody ask you if you wanted to get saved, did you get saved that first time? They was preaching, wasn't they? It wasn't until something happened on the inside of you. You had to make that decision. You had to decide. And I can come up here and I can preach faith to you all day long. But the quickest way for you to get faith is to read about it for yourself. Amen. It's the quickest way for you to get it. Understand this. We receive from the Lord the same way that people in the Bible receive from the Lord. They believed. Yes. They believed. Amen. The Bible, there's a, there's a story. And I'm, I'm going to close here. There's a, there's a story in Matthew chapter Nine in Matthew chapter nine in the message translation, it says that Jesus had healed the woman with the issue of blood. Wonderful story. Amen. Amen. The Bible says that after he had healed the woman with the issue of blood, he then healed somebody else. He healed, he healed the man's uh, child. And then after that, it says that Jesus had done all this stuff. It said two blind men started following Jesus. And I always wonder how do blind people follow people? <laughs> That's a miracle within itself. But they say, you know what? We so desire what he has. We're going to follow his voice. That's what they did. If, if, no, see, I'm not making a joke. I'm, you got to think about this. How does a blind man follow? They listen. He was like, the reality of it is, is that we need what he has. I'm not going to let me not seem limit me from getting what I need. So I'm reading the Bible. I'm like, how do blind men follow Jesus? And I was like, oh, they were hearing him. So everywhere he went, they were following at his voice. 
Wherever he went, and they were saying, Master, Master, can, 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 you, can you heal us? And, and, and he said, well, what do you mean? Well, they, they turned this way. And the Bible literally tells the story how they came to him, and they said, can you heal us? And Jesus asked him the question. He said, the question is not, can I heal you? The question is, can you believe? They said, well, well, we already believe. He said, then become what you believe. Become what you believe. The Bible says at that moment, their eyes opened. Will you become what you believe? If you say I'm a sore, become a sore. If you say I'm healed, become healed. No matter what your body says to you, your body is temporal. Your spirit is eternal. Receive it with your spirit. You got to learn to contend for what you want. You can't let everything come knock you off kilter. Every wind that blows can't ruin your sail. You got to be a person who says, you know what? Even if my sail get knocked down, I'll row across this ocean if I have to. I ain't going to let nothing stop me. I'm going to keep rowing and rowing and rowing. Because I believe I'm going to get to the other side. Yes. And when you have the tenacity that says no matter what, I'm going to get to the other side, ain't nothing in this world can stop you. Because your believing will affect your receiving. The moment you learn how to receive from God instantly, you're going to see more and more miracles. Mama Sam said this. She said, I had to make those cobblers. She said, this bag has to be enough. What if you said, my check got to be enough? God, I don't care how you multiply. I don't care. I don't, I don't care what you do in my bank account. I don't care who hearts you touch. Right now, this is the job that I have. It's got to be enough. And she said every time, I love it, every time she went and got an apple, she did just what the Lord said. She went over there and she cut that thing just like the Lord said. And she went back and she got another one. And I'm sure that first time she was like, well, maybe I miscounted. But after you do it the second time, it ain't no doubt you miscounted. You know God's involved. And I guarantee that third time she walked through that trash can, she was like, Because you know when you go back, it's going to be more than enough. I need some of y'all to get a different posture. I need some of y'all to pimp when God do some stuff for y'all. I don't need you walking like, I don't know what's going to happen. I need you to strive and say, God, I thank you that one more time it's more than enough. But she had to buy apples first. She had to buy apples first. She had to give him something to work with. When it comes to your giving, you got to give him something to work with. Let me help you. Don't you let nobody. Don't you let nobody talk you out of doing what you need to do in order to be blessed. I pride myself on having financial integrity. Probably to a fault. 
I told somebody just the other day, I said, part of the reason I, don't, I, I, I struggle with being full-time is because right now, can't nobody tell me nothing. I make all my money. I don't, I don't take nothing from you. But the truth of the matter is, you ought to be wanting to pay me to do this. And in the kingdom, God says a workman is worthy of his hire. You can't, you, you, you can't, you can't pay Pastor Sean and I. And I'm not being arrogant, but you can't pay us for what we've done for many of you this year. You, 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 you can't. You, you, you couldn't pay us enough. But the reality of it is there are people who don't even go to church here. They want to talk to you about how crazy it is that you are tither. They want to talk to you about how crazy it is that you help other people. They want to talk to you about how it is crazy that you out doing stuff for other people when you ought to be doing. Everything you do is a seed. I t listen. If I give and somebody gets out on me, they didn't really get out on me. I obey God. And I say that whether you go to church here or you leave and you go to church somewhere else. You ought not go to church where you are afraid to give your money. You, you, if, if you're afraid to give your money, you shouldn't go to church there. Because the blessing is about your obedience. We've had so much wrong teaching in the church, so much wrong teaching that people get to this point where they, they, they believe, like you said, come to church as you are. That's not in the Bible. But people justify that so that way they can do whatever they want to do. But this is the house. House rules. And in the house, certain ha I, I grew up in the church of God in Christ. I have finally gotten over the idea that I'm going to go to hell if I wear shorts in church. But if I go to a church to preach, and it's the church of God in Christ, I'm not wearing shorts. Because I'm in their house. You say, well, I don't believe in tithing. House rules we do. No, no seriously. And if, it's, and if it's a large conflict for you, find another house. Because even if I'm so convinced that if everybody left, God would just raise another hundred people to take your place. We got 500 already. You have to be that way about your life, though. You got to be like, you know what? I don't care what my family say. I'm going to do this. Because you have folks be like, well, you, you're giving that money to that church. You, you, you could get you a house if you wasn't doing all that. <laughs> you wasn't going to get no house with that 12. I, I mean. <laughs> you wasn't going to buy a house with that. The Lord takes that and multiplies that and makes you live in a house you never thought you could live in. Pastor Cynthia said something to me, changed my life. She told me one time, she said, me and your father sold $100,000 for our first plane. She said, we were preaching all over the country, and we couldn't get to the places fast enough because Delta and American didn't fly the schedules we needed. She said, and we started sewing. 
She said, and we sold $100,000. And people was like, you could have saved that money and bought you a plane. She said, not the $2.3 million plane that somebody gave us. You thought a hunt. See, you saw it as a loss. Folk who don't understand how the kingdom works self sowing $100,000 as a loss, but the return was $2.3 million and a pilot who's been with them for 20 plus years. You think tithing is a loss. And that's why you don't do it consistently because you see it as a loss and nobody does anything as a loss. I tithe because it is my way of life. It has get my my tithe has shown up in my life in ways I never could have imagined. When the doctor said that that girl back there who sleep yeah. was never gonna talk. Come on, come on. <laughs> See, you gotta have confidence when your own kids go to sleep while you're preaching. I mean, she's not just sleep. She is laid out. <laughs> but when the doctor said that she wouldn't speak, when they said they gave her a test and they couldn't, her, her cognitive, they couldn't even test because they didn't know if her cognitive ability was so low or her speech was so bad. Do you know how that feels? To have a professional tell you this is good as it's going to get? And we went to a conference. And a man who I ain't seen since then, I don't even know his first name, Nassar, Dr. Nassar Siddiqui, a Muslim who had converted to Christianity, was preaching a message. And he said, it's somebody in here who is believing God for a miracle for your child. He said, I'm telling you, if you will sow a thousand dollar seed, God will turn it around. And people are like, oh, that's just a gimmick. All I know is I heard God tell us to give. We sold a, and at that time for us, $1,000 could have might as well have been $10,000. And I was like, oh my God, what are, what are we going to do? $1,000 is going to take, it's going to take everything out of our checking and our savings. Do we believe God? We believe God. We said, let's sow. Walked up there trembling. Because the reality of it was, it was like, what if it don't work? Now you got a child who can't talk and you don't have $1,000. But I just chose to believe God. And we sowed that seed. And I don't have the time to tell you how God orchestrated. How he moved teachers around, how he had teachers who taught one grade go down to another grade, how they had teachers who was in a grade who looped a grade, how, we, how, how God took a preschool teacher who was a, 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 a five, even though she didn't speak, she was five baptized. Every morning, she's laying hands on Jordan. In her classroom, at Shiloh, a Southern Baptist church. Because God was like, if you believe, all things are possible. If you believe, all things are possible. Man, went to her conference. Her, she, she's reading on grade level. She, 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 she's almost on par in math. 
The t- she, she make, listen, I was the one struggling. They was like, we need to take her out of the sped classes and put her in regular classes. I'm like, I don't know. I'm the one struggling. She's like, no, I can do it. Her teacher's like, yeah, we use Jordan to help tutor other kids. I'm just saying to you, it's not about money. It's about believing God. And sometimes God will use what's precious to you because you've deemed it as precious. If you started counting white rocks as precious, he'd ask you to give up some of your white rocks. That's why he asked some of y'all for control. Because it's so precious to you. Being in control is so precious to you. And that's why it keeps challenging you with things that take you outside of your comfort zone. So my prayer for you is this. That you will become a student of your thinking. That you will become a metacognitive person. A person who thinks about their thinking. Don't just do so. When the Lord asks you something and you, re- and you recoil, stop and ask yourself, okay, why did I do that? It's a great question. Okay, why did, okay, why did I not do that? And then you have to be honest. Be like, you know what? It's, I, I really didn't believe God. Okay, if I really didn't believe God, I need to read more scriptures about, about, about trusting God. Because if I can read more scriptures about trusting God, I can build up my trust so that the next time God asks me to do something, I don't recoil when he asks me to do it. I told somebody the story about how when God asked me to forgive, when I had an alt, and I wasn't going to forgive. I just wasn't going to do it. I, just, I, I wasn't, wasn't going to do it. I was, I was fine. I wasn't worried about it. I, I was good. And literally the Lord was trying to get me to forgive, not for his sake, for mine. When the Lord's trying to get you to give, it's not for his sake. You know, I know people use that. They go, you know, God don't really need our money. He don't, but you do. Well, no, I don't just mean you do. I mean, you, you like the lights on in here, right? You like sitting in chairs, right? You like to drink a little water when you get thirsty, right? The church needs your money. God doesn't. But you need God because God has a way of multiplying what you give him. Look at your neighbor. Say, neighbor. neighbor. Money. Is important. is important. Say yes, why? Yes, why? I go to work for it. I go to work for it. <laughs> so can we just get over that? <laughs> well, money, like, like, like money ain't important. The Bible says this, money answereth all What is the answer? Swept coal? AT&T? Sally May? Wells Fargo? Ford Motor Credit? All State? Listen, we can, nation, we can name what money answer all day. Nike, hey, Apple, Apple. <laughs> money answers all things. What you say? Yeah, there you, there you go. There you go. <laughs> money answers all things. God said it like this. Stand to your feet. We're gonna be done. God, God said it like this. I know what you have need of. I know what you have need of. And because I know what you have need of, I need you to participate with me so I can get to you what you need. I tell my kids this. Tell me what you need in advance so I can get it for you. Don't walk into my room 
at 750, tell me about you need a check for $400. Because even though I can write it, I don't like doing it at 750. That bothers me. Ask me in advance, and I'll give you what you want. God's a good father. He's like, just ask me. Ask me. I got it. Just ask me. Some of us don't ask to the last minute. You can ask God today what you need next year. You don't have to wait. Anybody here want a house next year? Yeah. Yes. No, I, I, don't just, I, I, don't, I don't just mean you like, yeah, I want a new house. Yeah. I mean, anybody in here like, you know, I, I believe the Lord told me I, I can have a house next year. Yes. All right, come up here real quick, real quick, just real quick, just run up here, just make a straight line, real quick, real quick, real quick. Now, you, you know you already receive it, right? You're believing for the manifestation of it. What I want to do is I just want to strike hands with you real quick so that you will have the willpower to contend for the faith. I want you to think about the kind of house that you're believing God for. Now, do me a favor. Don't limit this. Don't be like, well, I just get a one-bedroom, I'll be fine. Knowing you don't want no one-bedroom, don't, don't waste your faith. Whatever it is you're believing God for. Now, the reality of it is, for some of you, you're going to have to get your faith up. Because what you're believing God for is bigger than what you see in the natural. It's bigger than what you can make happen. But I got a testimony when we didn't think we could get a house, God got us one. And then a year later, he got us another one. So we declare that our ceiling is your floor. So what he did for us, he'll do double for you. And here's what I need you to do. I'm going to need you to spend some time putting your faith to work. That means I, if whatever you're believing for, I'm going to need you to go look at it. Yeah. Yeah. That means on Sundays, when we finish here, I want you to have pre-planned what houses you're going to go look at. I want you to walk through them. And I don't want to hear no negative. Ooh, I could never have nothing. Find what you want. What looks like yours, and I don't care if you got to walk through 50 of them. You walk through enough of them till you get an image on the inside of you of what your house looks like. And when that thing becomes real for you, I want you to practice giving God praise for it. Every single day until it manifests. 2019 will be the year of houses. I want you to hear me. I'm telling you. I'm, I'm not just making this up to you. I'm not just saying something to make you feel good. I am telling you what I know. The Bible says if you believe God, you'll be established. But if you believe his prophet, you'll prosper. I am prophesying to you that 2019 will be your year. And if it don't happen in January, don't throw the year away. If it don't happen in July, don't throw the year away. 2019 has 365 days. God don't need but one. So I declare in the name of Jesus that everything that you are believing God for, everything you're believing God for, house. And let me tell you something. Being young, being single doesn't disqualify you. Being young, being single does not disqualify you. It does not. Your current job 
does not disqualify you. God has a way of doing those things that you need to happen in your life. I'm telling you, God can do that for you. I'm telling you. I'm telling you. I'm telling you. You can go back to your seat.